Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 32. Guys, I missed you. I am so happy to be back here with you. I took a week off for my birthday. Um, I didn't do that much during my time off. I went some places, did some things. (laughs) If you follow me on Instagram, you saw the pictures. I think I also posted them in the group. Um, On my actual birthday, I went to a place called Cedar Lakes Woods and Gardens. Um, A co-worker that I used to work with had actually told me about this place a few years back. And, you know, it was just kind of like, I, you know, oh, sounds like a great place. File that away in the memory bank, you know, and then just sort of forgot about it. But when I knew I was taking this week off and that, you know, I wanted to not just sit around my house, <laughs> um, I remembered this place. And so I, I thought, okay, well, let me go and do that, you know, one of the days. It is so beautiful there. It's about a two hour ride from my house, but y'all know how much I love a road trip. So that didn't bother me at all. It's, um, so it's a garden, you know, but it's like this gigantic garden. One man bought the property. Um, I think it's six acres. And when he bought it, it was like an old limestone quarry that he developed uh, into this humongous garden. So there's an upper level and a lower level. So there's two main trails, but then off of those trails are many small trails that lead you into all these different types of gardens. There's, you know, a Japanese garden and an orchard and a limestone quarry and a a cedar woods garden, an amazing 500 year old cedar wood that was just gigantic. It was gorgeous. I got great pictures of that. Um, But yeah, all those little trails, it's very easy to get lost in it you know but in a good way you know you you can't really get lost um and of course I had a map but I can't I couldn't read it (laughs) I just the map did not help me at all but once you kind of come back to one of the two main trails then you know you see signs and stuff that will lead you along to the next garden it was so pretty. Um, it was a great day. Got a lot of walking in. Beautiful, like sunny day. Got a lot of sun. The next day, of course, I went to the beach. As always, that was wonderful. It was like practically deserted. It was so nice. I, I, I mean, granted, it was a Wednesday, you know, in the middle of March. So, but I don't think I've ever seen the beach down here that empty. I mean, there might have been 10 people on the entire beach. I mean, I would walk for stretches and not see anyone. Oh, it was perfect. It was so nice. Um, And then, you know, after that, after those two days of, you know, just beauty and peacefulness, I was <laughs> sort of got a reality check on Thursday when I took my car in for an oil change and found out that I needed four new tires. So that was $500 I was not planning on spending, but it was okay because I I had the money, it needed to be done, and I was just able to do it. And 
guys, this has not always been the case. You know, like finding out that I had some major repair that needed to be done, you know, or something that was going to cost a large sum of money would send me into a panic many times in the past because I just didn't have it, you know, and it was, you know, so you kind of are scrambling trying to figure out what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. And luckily, thank God, I've always had people in my life willing to help me. Um, So, you know, I was kind of rescued in the past, but this time it was kind of like, okay, here's my card. Go ahead and run it. Put the tires on. That feeling, I know it seems small. It was huge of just, I, I don't have to, I don't have to trouble anyone I know, you know, to, to, to worry them or provide some assistance to me. I, I just could do it. And, and it wasn't like, okay, yes, all right, I can do it. But that means I'm going to have to not pay this bill, or I'm going to have to talk to my landlord and see if I can pay rent a little bit late. No, it was just kind of like, all right. I mean, it's not like I wanted to spend $500 on tires, but the fact that I had the ability to do it, I'm very grateful, very grateful for that. The entire week was perfect. I mean, I I did a little shopping. I went places, saw things, (laughs) great weather. I couldn't have asked for a better birthday week. I did watch uh, a lot of TV in the evenings, um, you know, Guys, I am hooked on this Discovery Plus channel. Uh, you know, and I'm I don't know why things occur to me, like very obvious things occur to me later. But I mean, Discovery Plus, if you have cable, you have all these programs. You don't have to get the app. If you're like me and you don't have cable, then you can get the app. But, you know, you you already have the Food Network and the Travel Channel and OWN and all this stuff. So you can watch all of these programs without having to pay monthly for this app. But I told you guys I've been watching a lot of ghost shows lately, and I came across one called Ghost Brothers. It's three best friends, Joanne, Dalen, and Marcus, who are who they all had paranormal experiences when they were kids. And then as adults, they decided to kind of look more into this kind of stuff and become ghost hunters. I love this show. First, they're hilarious. (laughs) Second, they're all very handsome. But they're also doing like actual investigations. It's so good. It's I mean, it's interesting from the ghost hunters aspect, but it's completely entertaining because they're so funny. Unfortunately, they only made two seasons of that show. I think it originally aired on the Travel Channel, like in 2017, 2018, something like that. Probably still available, maybe if you have on demand. A major part of why I love this show is that all three of them are really good on camera. I don't know if they have like you know, if they were actors before this, but they're great on camera. And if you watch Ghost Hunter shows, you know that this is rare. (laughs) Usually, like the people are like, you know, cardboard cutouts. There's there's just nothing. (laughs) But these guys are not like that. Luckily, the Travel Channel agreed and put them on a new show 
with Jack Osborne. This one's called Fright Club, and they review paranormal clips sent in by viewers. I have legit left out loud watching them react to some of these clips. So if you can't find Ghost Brothers, look for Fright Club because that's a current show and probably available on the Travel Channel. I also went down a YouTube rabbit hole this week. I don't know what it is about YouTube. I, <laughs> it's like addictive. But I stumbled onto a video by a, a group of four men called the Behavior Panel. And these are four of the world's top experts in body language and behavior. And they go through what they call videos of public interest. And the first one I saw, um, when I was scrolling through YouTube, I saw them, they were going to review the Oprah interview with um, Meghan and Harry. I skipped that one because I could not care less about Meghan and Harry. And I just do not get the fascination with these two people. But as I was looking more, because the the, the idea of, um, you know, them kind of studying body language and behavior, it was very interesting to me. I found one on Michael Peterson. Oh, guys, you know, you know who he is, right? True crime fans out there, you know who he is. He's the scumbag who killed his wife, Kathleen. Um, Staircase is the Netflix documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's very good. Oh, watching them like react to him was great. But then I found the one on Chris Watts. That one was really good, um, which then led me to Stephen Avery, which led me to Patsy Ramsey. This one particularly, the Patsy Ramsey one, I, as they were kind of going through and sort of, you know, discussing her behavior, her speech pattern, her eye movement, blah, 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 blah. One of the points they made, and this definitely kind of uh, struck a chord with me, was because Patsy Ram Ramsey or John Bonet or everybody knows the case. You know, you, you probably already have an opinion on on what you believe happened. But you, well, I'll just speak for me. When I think of the parents, Mister and Missus Ramsey, <laughs> I I don't know that they killed John Bonet, but I believe they know what happened and what they say happened is not the truth, right? So when I'm watching these interviews, I'm kind of already coming from a place of, I don't trust you and I don't like you. And then, so if I'm coming from that place, when I'm watching her, I'm seeing all these things that to me, I'm using as um, validation, you know, for what I'm already feeling. And these four guys, I'll say like, you can't do that because what you're seeing, you know, it may just be, that's just her in all circumstances prior to the murder of John Bonet and after, like she doesn't change. Maybe it, you know, she just is this very sort of aloof, defensive personality. But when you see her and she's talking about something that should, we believe should have a strong emotional response of maybe sadness or anguish, but what we're seeing instead is defensiveness that we might interpret as guilt, that's where you have to be careful, right? I, I loved I loved these guys. Um, 
I've been watching a lot of them, but you know, I mean, you guys know, I, I love true crime. I love interrogation tapes. They completely fascinate me. But to be able to rewatch them through an expert's eyes and having, you know, the experts saying what they're seeing and what they're picking up on, it was fascinating. Oh, also, one last thing. If you are a weekly listener or maybe just an astute listener, you might have noticed that the start of the podcast sounds a little different. And that's because I recently changed uh, podcast platforms for a lot of different reasons, which are all sort of tech related and boring. But the major plus is that I now have a greater distribution, which includes iHeartRadio and Stitcher. And of course, you know, it's still available wherever you were already listening to it. But it means that for now, the ad at the beginning of the podcast is gone. That doesn't mean that the ads are gone forever. They will be back. So enjoy this ad-free time while it lasts. All right, now that you're caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week, I found myself getting the same message over and over. Not birthday wishes, but well, not exactly. In one form or another, whether I was seeing it, receiving it, or hearing it, I kept getting the same theme, which was protect your time and energy. Sister sister number two sent me a birthday card saying that one of the benefits when she turned 50 was the ability to cut the joy suckers out of her life. She also sent me a perfect birthday gift. If you want to see what it was, check out my Instagram. Then I saw a post on Instagram that said something about protecting your time and energy, not to give it away so freely. And later in the week, I was listening to one of my many true crime podcasts and completely unrelated to the topic, one of the hosts said, not everyone deserves your time and energy. And after hearing this over and over and over again, I got to sort of thinking more about it. We hand out our time and energy without really thinking about it because we think it's free, but it's not. Time is money and energy is what feeds our spirit. So if you're handing them out carelessly, especially to anyone who is not returning that same energy, you're draining your emotional currency. I think part of the reason why I keep getting these messages is because I'm struggling with something right now. Because I am dealing with one of these joy suckers in my life. And I'm struggling with whether to continue the relationship. We've all dealt with these people, no matter what you call them, joy suckers, energy vampires. (laughs) Maybe you don't know a term for it, but you definitely know it when you feel it. Energy suckers may seem great at the beginning. They tend to be engaging, charismatic. They have great stories. They're kind of um, life of the party type people. It's how they get you. They suck you in with their engaging personality. But eventually you start to notice that in all of their stories, there seems to be a lot of drama. And they are usually at the center of it. Like I said, I'm sure you've all experienced an energy sucker. Years ago, I used to work with one. We were friends almost from my first day. 
she approached me. She was friendly, funny. And I, I was grateful to have met someone so soon and someone who was so welcoming. It wasn't long before we started spending our breaks together, eating lunch together, and just kind of seeking each other out through the day. I noticed that when we spent time together, I didn't do a lot of talking, but I didn't mind because I was doing a lot of listening and laughing because she had stories for days. I used to look forward to going to work on Mondays because I knew she would have like some crazy tale of something that had happened to her over the weekend. Eventually, her stories weren't just wacky weekend tales, and I noticed that she was seeking me out more than I was her. I mean, it was work, so I was trying to, to actually work during the day. And I also started to notice that it, it, it started to feel like oppressive when I was around her, you know, like, I, you know, she would be telling me yet another dramatic tale. And in my mind, I would be thinking like, wow, like, you definitely have a lot going on. It all started to feel like too much. And when she noticed that I wasn't as eager to listen to her stories, she kind of started to get a little bit of an attitude with me. You know, like suddenly she was the one who didn't have time for me. She eventually found someone else in the office to focus on, and I was able to solve that problem by getting another job. But what if it's not so easy to get distance from an energy sucker? What if they're a family member, or best friend, or your spouse? Often energy suckers aren't even aware of what they're doing. They have no idea of the effects that they have on the people around them. They tend to gravitate to compassionate people for obvious reasons. And the people around them don't ever tell them like, uh, hey, you're really sucking the joy out of the room. Why? Because it would just create more drama. What could be more dramatic than causing a rift with them? It would give them stories for days. And because we already know how they talk about everyone else in their life, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to be cast as the next villain in their story. They're also very good at playing the victim. They never see or admit their part in any bad thing that has ever happened to them. It's always someone else's fault. And usually they're very unhappy in their personal circumstances. Eventually, the relationship with an energy sucker just gets to be too stressful because you feel like you're constantly having to walk on eggshells with them. I told you earlier that I'm struggling with one of these energy suckers, joy suckers right now. And it's been very difficult because I, I've known them for a really long time. And there is a part of me that feels like I'd be abandoning them if I decided to walk away. Because there are legitimate issues that they struggle with. But their circumstances haven't changed in decades. And every time we talk, it's the same story. Just complaining about everything that is going wrong in their life, or worse, all of the things that the people in their life are doing to them. And like I said, I've known this person a long time, and I really do love them. I want the best for them. I want things 
to be better for them, to be easier for them. I pray every day for them, for their mental anguish to be lifted. But nothing changes because they don't change. They're also very demanding of my time. Phone calls last for hours with very little being said by me. And when I finally do get a word in edgewise, it's usually interrupted because something I said reminding them reminded them of something they wanted to tell me and they have to say immediately before they forget again. In-person visits seemed endless and they were so draining because their energy is almost frenetic. But it was the same pattern as with the old co-worker. Just lots of drama. And if there wasn't a current drama going on, they would create one. You know, just the, the kind of person who makes mountains out of molehills. It certainly doesn't help the situation that for a long time during our relationship, I was also a joy sucker. We fed off each other's misery. It forged our friendship. I told you guys already how unhappy I was in my 20s and 30s. I was a complainer. I was frustrated with my personal life. I was overly critical and argumentative and just basically an overall negative person, what my mom would call ugly. Hard to believe, right? I wasn't always this little Miss Sunshine you know and love today. Far from it. I was angry at the world. Coincidentally, this is also when I got very involved in politics. I couldn't get enough. I wanted all the facts so that I was well-armed to debate anyone at any time. What I didn't realize at the time was that I was focusing on anything external. Politics, issues at work, you know, and then injustices of the world as a way to avoid focusing on anything internal. I didn't want to deal with what was wrong with me. I was too busy solving all the wrongs in the world. Realizing that I was one of these joy suckers, it was a hard pill to swallow, especially since I recognized it so easily in others and judged them for it. The truth is, we have all probably been joy suckers at one time in our lives. No one is happy and positive all the time. We all have emotional wounds. The problem is the bigger the wound, the more you'll get your emotional needs met by sucking the joy out of the people around you. But there's never enough, right? It's like trying to satisfy a tapeworm. You might recognize these signs in someone you know, or maybe even in yourself. The typical signs of a time, a joy, sucker. You find yourself constantly complaining. You're quick to criticize. You feel you need constant acknowledgement or validation. You probably gossip a lot. Everyone's drama is your drama too and you can't wait to talk about it. You may find that people stop hanging around you. You lose friends. 
When I finally came to the realization that my complaining, miserable attitude was making it difficult for friends and family to be around me, I knew I needed to do something about it. I didn't want to be the person who sucked the joy out of the room. I wanted to be the person people liked being around. As with everything, the desire to change was the first step. I had to be willing to take a look at why I was always so critical. And as I'm sure will come as no surprise to anyone, it was because I was so unhappy. And I wanted everyone around me to also be unhappy. The second thing I had to do was to start thinking before I speak. <laughs> this sounds easy, but for someone who was a loudmouth, this proved harder than I thought. I had to listen more and speak less. Sometimes I had to literally bite my tongue. And not just listen, but listen with grace, with empathy. I also began to practice gratitude. I used to have a friend who, whenever I would say things like, no, oh, I have to go to work, or oh, I have to go to dinner with my in-laws tonight, my friend would say back to me, no, you get to go to work. You get to go to dinner with your in-laws. And it would just be like, ugh, God, that sounds so stupid. It seems like such a silly thing, but just changing your mindset by small degrees makes a huge difference in your outlook. The easiest way to stop being a joy sucker is to become a joy giver. Start small. Maybe just, you know, saying good morning to a stranger or complimenting a coworker. Narrow your focus to only the things that you can control and do your best to let go of the rest. Practice gratitude. Show appreciation. It wasn't until I got real with myself and brave enough to take an honest look at all that was wrong with my life that I was finally able to turn this around. But in the meantime, I lost friends who just couldn't be around me. It was too much for them. I can't say I blame them. So now that we've identified what an energy sucker is, how do we protect ourselves from them? Well, you just avoid them, right? <laughs> yes, if it's someone you can't avoid. But what if it's a family member, your partner, your boss? The key is to keep as much distance as you can. You know, if it's your boss, text an email instead of meeting in person. Also, set limits on your time. If your energy-sucking grandmother wants you to come to her house at 1 p.m. for a 5 p.m. dinner, tell her the earliest you can get there is 4 p.m. And then skip out of there right after dinner. Well, after you've helped clean up, of course. We're not monsters. Use any excuse. It doesn't matter because no excuse you give is going to be acceptable, right? The trick here is to stand firm. Do not let anything they say manipulate you into caving to their wants. Okay, so you've set limits with your time. But how do you handle them when you're actually around them? How do you protect your energy? An article in Psychology Today suggests you become, quote, a gray rock, end quote, when you're around them. Don't entertain them. 
do not give them dramatic exp- the dramatic responses they crave, like, really? Tell me everything. Don't do that. It only encourages them. Eventually, when they see that they're not getting their energy fix, you know, they'll move on. In my case, it's a longtime friend, and I literally had to just stop responding to their texts as quickly or not taking their call every time. You know, I, I, I would see, you know, phone would ring, I'd look down, I'd see it was them calling, and I would have to, in that moment, make an honest choice of whether I was in a place where I could give them a few hours of my time. And the first few times, it was hard. I felt guilty. But what I've noticed is that they aren't calling or texting as often as they once did. I'm assuming they've found someone else who is less protective of their time and energy. Setting limits can be tricky. I once dated a guy whose mother was a joy sucker. She would do uh, this thing that I used to call holding court, where uh, we would be summoned to dinner, usually a phone call where she would browbeat us into finally accepting. And she was one of those ones who expected us at one when dinner was at five and would get upset when we would tell her we'd see her at four. She also expected us to spend every holiday with her, and I mean every holiday, from Christmas to Arbor Day. And I am telling you, when we were around her, we would literally melt into the couch under the weight of her energy sucking. It was constant. Between the personal questions and the constant complaining, we would be exhausted when we left. We would feel almost dehydrated, you know, like (laughs) lightheaded slightly nauseated, dull headache. It took just a few visits for me to realize that I was an adult and not a hostage, and I could set limits on my time and my energy. And it was a very happy day the first time I told her that no, we weren't going to come over at one, and no, we weren't going to stay to watch a movie after dinner, without excuse or explanation. She didn't like it, But she had no choice to accept it, because the alternative was us not coming over at all. You may have someone in your life right now, and you're wondering, are they an energy sucker? Well, if you're wondering, they probably are. But there is a difference between a venter and a dumper. Venters only occasionally voice their frustrations, right? Dumpers constantly complain. They don't have an occasional bad day. They have bad decades. It's important to know the difference so that you know with whom you need to set your limits. It's bad enough that these people are leeching our energy, but they're also taking our time. And like I said, time is currency. Time is our most valuable commodity. I found a great article in Huffington Post called The Currency of Time. It says that we can spend our time doing anything. We can spend it doing things that don't matter, like whether or not we have the cleanest house on the block or mentally formulating an online comment, you know, to an article that got a rise out of us. Or we can invest our time in making deeper connections in our hobbies, 
and our passions. The choice is ours. So if you have one of these suckers of joy, you know, of energy and time in your life, you get to decide that your time and your energy have value. It's important to note here that joy suckers or energy leeches don't just have to be people. They can be things that you give your attention to that just make you unhappy, or maybe they leave you feeling unappreciated. Maybe it's your job. You know, maybe it's volunteering to organize the bake sale at your child's school. When it's something you feel obligated to do, but you know that it's going to be a hassle, try adapting the trick my friend taught me of replacing I have to with I get to. It really does work. Your time and energy are yours to give. And it is not only okay, but necessary to protect them. Remember, not everyone is worthy of your most valuable commodity. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back for episode 32. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. That is Jenny with an I. JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. That second part is important. If you have questions, topic suggestions, want to have a private discussion with me, email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I really did miss you. Until next time, love you. Bye.